Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to get into the word here this morning. And um, Peter, that was a great message, man. You got the call of God in your life. You got the, 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 the word of God in your spirit. I can see it. And um, we're going to believe that God's going to do great things through your life. So I'm going to just uh, kind of get into a, a message here. I'm going to set you up for this month. We're going to be doing a series for four weeks. And the purpose of the series is that you'd invite your family and friends. We're going to talk about, uh, talk about uh, making room, making room for making room for people, making room for, uh, for family, uh, which is a tough thing in this season to be around family, uh, making room for uh, contentment, and ultimately making room for Jesus. And our heart would be that at our Christmas Eve service, you'd invite your friends and family because I'm just going to preach uh, the, the loving, powerful message of Jesus and how he changes our lives. And that's why he came to earth. And we would hope that you would uh, invite your family and friends that day. We're also going to have fresh cinnamon buns. Thank you very much. And apple cider. And it's going to be a fantastic day. So come on out. We also have a special performance from our kids. They're going to sing some songs and it's going to be a lot of fun. So we encourage you to uh, come on out. To that. Well, I'm just going to get into uh, to a, a thought here this morning about hope. I was wanting to set you up for the next uh, coming weeks, thinking about thinking about the refocusing our minds on why uh, Chris, what Christmas is really all about. And obviously, we know it's about Jesus. It's not about Xmas, Christ. You know, about Christ. But it's easy in season to make it about all sorts of things. It's easy make it about the nostalgia of uh, Nat King Cole's version of chestnuts roasting on the empty fire, which every time I hear it, I have these, these you know, flashbacks to my childhood, and I love it. It feels so good. Those are fun, and it's not just about you know, shopping and the crazy shopping uh, extravaganzas. It's not about uh, the, the parties and all the fun things and that we do. All those things are awesome, but ultimately, Christmas is about Jesus. And we have to remember that when Jesus Christ came to earth, his primary mission was to bring hope. That was his primary mission on this planet. And so hope is defined as a feeling or an expectation or a desire for a certain thing to happen, wanting something to happen, not wishful thinking, but a firm assurance, an acceptance, or an anticipation. John Piper said this about hope. He said, this confident hope gives us the encouragement and enablement we need for daily living. Hope is not a sedative. It's a shot of adrenaline, a spiritual blood transfusion. Chuck Swindoll, or I'm sorry, this is an unknown author, said we can live about 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. And again, Chuck Swindoll says this about hope. Hope is something as important to us as water is to a fish, as vital as electricity is to a light bulb, as essential as air to a jumbo jet. Hope is basic to life. Without that needed spark of hope, we are doomed to a dark, grim existence. There's something incredibly valuable about hope when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Hope is what we live for. Hope, we all have a hope of eternal, uh, eternal life with God. We have hope of a life right now that we can have joy and peace and hope and life and experience that is well beyond our understanding even when we face situations and hardships and difficulties in our life. We know that despite the, the things that we face, God brings us hope that is undefinable, unexplainable, and it gives us a meaning to live. But those who do not know Christ do not know that hope. 
Bible very clearly says that without God, there's no hope, there's no purpose, there's no meaning, there's no vision. And so we know that when Christ came to earth, he gave us something that a majority of the planet does not have. As you say, all the people in Calgary, 750,000 people in Calgary are not are professionally either non-religious or are a religion other than Christianity. So 750,000 people in this city don't have the hope that you and I have. So I want to read a scripture to you today in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we're going to read it in verse 1 to 9. And we're just going to spend all of our time just hanging out in this scripture today. John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9 says this. Sometime later, there was a religious gathering of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there was a pool with five porches called Bethesda near the Sheep Gate. Inside these porches lay many sick people. Some were blind. Some could not walk. Some could not move their bodies. An angel of the Lord came at certain times. Notice the parentheses and the asterisks. Uh, the, the angel of the Lord came at certain times and made the water move. All of them were waiting for it to move. And were, whoever got in the water first after it was moving was healed of whatever sickness he had. A man was there who had been sick for 38 years and Jesus saw him lying there and knew the man had been sick for a really long time. And Jesus said to him, would you like to be healed? Is it your hope that you would be made well? Do you have a desire? Do you have a hope? And the sick man said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is moving. And while I'm coming, another one gets in first. And Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and picked up his bed and walked. This happened on the, first, uh, or this happened on the day of rest. We know that this pool was about 360 feet uh, wide. Uh, it was about 130 feet, or I'm sorry, 360 feet long, 130 feet wide, about 75 feet deep. And it was covered by these five porches and all of these, these pillars were around it. It was actually a, a, a picture of the wealth of Jerusalem. As you see here, uh, this is the, the north wall of, of Jerusalem. This is the Pool of Bethesda, and it was a gorgeous monument that represented wealth and prosperity of Jerusalem. Yet in that day, it was surrounded by sick people, people that were destitute, people that were in need, people that were lame and blind and sick. And yet it was a beautiful picture of the wealth of Jerusalem. Yet all the people who had need gathered in Bethesda. That name Bethesda is actually the name gate of mercy and actually it was right by the sheep gate to that little uh that little curvature door over there that is the sheep gate so interestingly enough there were all these sick people who were in the gate of mercy by the shed blood of the lambs and here these individuals would gather where sheep had been slaughtered lamb had, lambs had been slaughtered there was the blood of the lamb all over the place in fact when people walked into this area their feet were covered in the blood of the lambs in the gate of mercy and all these individuals were sick and looking for something to meet their desire and their need and they were there in that place wanting for something to happen in their life here's a current day picture of that same well and it says in the scripture that, that there were many sick people, many blind people, many, many people who could not walk. Some of them could not move. Just for one moment, try to imagine what this looked like. Have you ever seen a movie where, where there's a huge battlefield of individuals who've been shot or, or killed or injured and you, you hear the medic running from place to place as they groan. Oh, they're in pain and they're hurting. Just imagine for a moment like a, a nursing home that was understaffed but there was too many people there and the people were groaning 
asking for help. Please help me. Just imagine for a moment this place where there was people that were in need. People were broken. People were hurting. People could move. And they were constantly groaning and the wanting of something to break through in their life. And there stood Jesus. And endless groans of need. Endless groans of, of a desire for help. Uh, imagine Jesus witnessing this faceless need of individuals where as he walked along, people, he looked at children that were blind and men who'd been standing around who were sick for years. And just imagine for one moment what this might have looked like for Jesus to walk into a place where there was destitution and need all around him in the gate of mercy by the blood of the lambs. Here's all of these people not even knowing that God God himself, the creator of the universe, stood right in their midst with them. All these people were in need and hope and little did they know that the very person who could transform their life in a matter of a breath stood in their midst. We see in the scripture the crazy thought that all of these people gathered who had no hope. They had no way to see healing except for this pool. You'll notice that asterisk and the, the parentheses. That was because Copius later had added that text because in the original Greek language that was not there. And when the, when the, 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 the words were written, it was, it was impossible for us to understand why people would be gathered around this pool. And so the copyist later added to our modern English translation this section in the parentheses and in the uh, asterisks to say, listen, this is kind of what the thought was. Now, theologians do not believe that there was an actual angel of the Lord who came and stirred, that, st uh, stirred the water, but there was something about that day. There was a superstitious thought that, that people were healed in this midst and therefore, I have a problem, I need to get there. And what happened was is that in the hills, the, the water would fluctuate. They had inner reservoirs in the hills and the water would go up and down. And so they thought in their minds that an angel, and there was something in the water that had medicinal value that certain individuals experienced healing. In fact, this happens still today. On the, on the, on the left side here in this picture is in south, southern France. This is a grotto, look at that. They built this massive monument around this grotto because people will flood to the, the southern part of France to go to this grotto because this statue of Mary in this water had medicinal value to heal bodies. And so people line up in groves thinking that that water is gonna heal their body. Or in Guadalupe in Mexico City, look at that monument built around that shrine of Mary. There's go there and you visit that spot. There's, there's actually uh, uh, wheelchairs and, um, what are those called? No, no, the crutches. Thank you. You didn't help me. It came to me. No, just kidding. Crutches all over the place, all by this picture. And they built these monuments. And all of these people go to this place looking for something that will give them hope that there's a better day. There's more for my life. There's healing. There's restoration. There's hope. There's transformation. They will go all the way to Guadalupe to look at this shrine, hoping that their lives will be transformed forever. This superstitious thought happened all the way back. In this pool of Bethesda, they thought that the, the angel would stir the water and the water would begin to rise up and down, just like this picture. They would rise and they would run to the water. They would run to get to that place, hoping, desiring that they would be healed. And you'll notice in this text, it says that all of them that were waiting. 
and their desolation and their brokenness and their hurt and their pain and their waiting for their marriage to get better, waiting for my finances to turn around, waiting for this depression to leave, waiting for my discouragement to cease, waiting for my fear to stop, waiting for this desire. Every time I get near people, I, anxiety overwhelms me, waiting for, for my, my husband to stop acting like that and start being a gentleman, waiting for my wife to stop treating me poorly, waiting for life to get better, waiting. I'm waiting for something to happen in my life. They're all waiting and notice where they're eyes are all of their eyes are on the pool and little did they know that Jesus Christ stood right in their midst the superstitious idea that in the Christmas season there's certain things we invest ourselves into that will give me hope that relationship is going to give me hope that if I just can have children, then I'm going to have hope. If, I, if, I just, if my marriage will just have one week of goodness, then I'm going to have hope. And yes, those things are true on a natural level, but the only one, the only person that can give you the hope that's undefinable on this world is Jesus Christ. And in the midst of this, these people stood waiting, hoping for someone to come and minister to their life, hoping that something would change. In fact, just a chapter prior, in John chapter 4, Jesus was on a, a journey and he came to a woman, a Samaritan woman, by a well and she uh, was, was drawing water. And Jesus came to her and said, give me some water. And Jesus said to her, he said, look, look what he said to her. She was, she was looking for water and he says, you can't draw water, you have nothing to draw water with. And Jesus said, listen, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water that I give them, they will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. This is the pining desire of all individuals, Christian or not, on this planet. Give me that hope. Give me that water. Satisfy my need for, for affirmation and for affection and for love and for help and for confidence and self-control. Give me that inner need. I want that water. I have a hope for that thing for my life. And he said to that woman, listen, I have a water that I can give you, a hope that I can give you, a desire that I can give you that only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ that satisfies you like nothing. Jesus just came off this, coming into this time. Notice what it says in the scripture in John chapter five, verse five. I just noticed there's no colon in there. That's improper, I'm sorry. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. 38 years when Jesus saw him. Now remember the context. He's surrounded by multitudes, generally in the, in the context of multitudes or many people. That word generally signifies hundreds, if not thousands of people potentially were jammed into that place and Jesus saw one man. I want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ here today, that during this Christmas season, don't shut your eyes to the lost people that are around you. I often find, and you're going to hate me for this, I'm sorry, that when I walk into a grocery store, all I want to do is buy my, my soda water that I drink like 10 a day, my soda water, and I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to minister to the checkout person, Lord. I don't want to minister to the person at the florist. I don't want to walk by that person. And you speak hard. I say, nope, don't want to do it. So what I do is I close my eyes, I close my eyes, I get my pop. And often, as followers of Jesus, we have our eyes closed 
to the lost people that are surrounded, uh, surrounding us. Often we close our eyes because we know that if we open our eyes, we'll have to do something about it. And many times we don't know what to do about it. And that's the great thing about this scripture is that it teaches us as followers of Jesus that not only if you open your eyes, guess what? He will also open your ears. It says in the scripture very clear that Jesus saw and then he learned. That word is a, is a supernatural word, speaks to revelation. The father revealed something in a multitude of people in a huge uh, grocery store where there are all these people who need Jesus. The father, the Holy Spirit speaks to me about that person right there. There's a long checkout line, but that person right there, my eyes are open, therefore my ears are open, and therefore God wants to bring hope to this person's life. If you allow him to, many times we shut our eyes because we don't want to have to step outside our normal schedule of life to actually stop and do the works of God in his kingdom today. We just want to get our pop, we want to get out, we want to go home, we want to watch Netflix and let it be done. But if you open your eyes as a follower of Jesus, watch out. He will speak to you. I was sitting in A&W and I made a mistake. I'm going to make a confession to you. I did not do this. Sitting in A&W as I normally do. Don't go there because it's my little spot. You might think A&W, they serve me hand and foot. It's incredible. It's amazing actually. It's like a restaurant in town. I sit there and I'm working and this girl next to me was weeping on the phone and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to give her hope. I'm still on hope. Is ironic. And guess what, guys? I shut my eyes and put my earbuds in and just kept working. Now, the Lord's faithful and he's gracious and he forgave me and I repented and I repent to you for not saying something to her because that could have been the moment where hope met her heart and in a second, in a moment of a breath, the Holy Spirit could have changed her life forever and she's sitting in the pool of Bethesda pining for God to do something in her life and someone randomly comes to her in her moment of hopelessness and says, I have hope for you. Now, I hope she has another opportunity. I hope one of you have an opportunity to speak to that girl on my behalf because I screwed up. But don't miss in this Christmas season the opportunity to bring hope to people who are hopeless. Because we walk around in a city of Bethesda full of a tons of people who are surrounded by the blood of the Lamb and the, by the gate of mercy and you are the only one in the midst who has the ability and the capacity and the power by the Holy Spirit to bring hope to their life. You'll notice in the scripture that Jesus asked this man a question. Kind of a stupid question, actually. 38 years, and he asked him a question, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healthy? Do you hope that you're going to be healthy? Do you have a hope, a desire, that your life's going to be healthy? Maybe you're here this morning and you've had some hopes that your marriage is going to get better. You've had some hopes that your relationship with your dad's going to work out. Maybe your brother, your sister don't know the Lord. Maybe you've been struggling in, with the area of depression or discouragement or fear, anxiety. And you're here today and you say, Ryan, I just have this constant hope that I'll see breakthrough. Constant hope. Jesus comes to you today and says, do you, wanna, do, you, do you have a hope that you want to get healthy? Is that something that's inside of you? Do you have a hope? Do you have a desire that you can see God minister to your life? Do you, do you have that hope? And look what Jesus, this man says in response to Jesus. He says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. This man says, Jesus, the one who can heal him, comes to him and says, listen, do you want there to be restoration in your marriage? 
Do you want there to be breakthrough in your finances? Do you want to see breakthrough in this anxiety that's been ravaging your thinking? Do you want it? And this man said, listen, okay, thank you for asking me that. And his eyes are on the pool thinking to himself, listen, Jesus, this, this, I can never get into that pool. Every single time I try to engage my husband in relationship, I have a hope things are going to get better. Every single time it falls apart. Every single time I get up, I muster the strength, I muster the faith to get up and get into that pool. Someone steps in front of me. I'm disappointed because every single time I try something new, I fail. I just can't seem to see breakthrough. I'm just tired of it. I'm done with it. His eyes were on the pool. His eyes was on the trouble. His eyes was on the hardship. His eyes was on the difficulty. And what Jesus recognized in this man, there was a lot of sick people there, but Jesus talked to this one man. There's no record in the scripture of Jesus healing anyone else. Why did Jesus come to this man? Why did Jesus talk to this man? Jesus recognized that not only was he sick physically, he recognized that his heart was sick too. His body wasn't just sick. His heart was sick. His marriage just, your marriage isn't just falling apart anymore. Now it's not even about your marriage. It's the fact that you and your heart no longer have the hope and the faith to believe that God can do the impossible in your life. Come to a point in your journey of life where you, you, you're sick in heart. You're not just sick in body, but you're sick in heart. That's why I believe Jesus recognized that this man needed help. He looked at his helplessness. He looked at his, the fact that this man had no more hope. He tried everything for 38 years. Every time the man gets up, someone steps in front of him. It wasn't just a physical sickness any longer. This man's heart was sick. He was tired of trying, thinking that every time I tried to go for that, I was going to fail. Discouraged and depressed and disappointed in life. We have this idea of how life's going to be. And when it doesn't work out like we think it's going to work out, our hope is dashed and it makes our hearts sick. In fact, the scripture teaches us this in Proverbs 13, 12. A hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. The, the Living Bible says it like this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when dreams come true at last, there is life and joy. Look at this one, the message paraphrase says, the message paraphrase is not there, but it says in the scripture, unrelenting disappointment Leaves you heart sick. But a sudden good break can turn life around. Listen, unrelenting disappointment makes your heart sick. How many of you have been in this place before where you just feel like whether it's your marriage or your finances or your health, maybe I know that there's a guy in the church who I love very much and he's been praying for, for years that his body would be healed to the point he doesn't pray anymore. Do you know that I've had pain in my knees since I was in grade five? I have sheer pain constantly in my knees and I stopped going forward to the altar for prayer because I didn't believe anymore God could heal me. Why? Because my hope had been dis disappointed. I tried so many times to get that right. Many years I struggled with the areas of sin and addiction in my life and the reason I stopped trying was because I just kept failing every time I tried. It cost my hope it caused my faith to be discouraged. It caused my, my joy to be sapped. It caused my peace to be disturbed. I found that no longer was I a peace-filled, focused on Jesus, but I was focused on the pool. 
I just got to find something that's going to fix this inside of me. It makes your heart sick. Maybe you haven't, maybe you're here today and you say, I don't have that. Well, maybe you haven't lived enough life yet. (laughs) This is the very thing I believe in many times as followers of Jesus. We follow Christ for a long time and realize that the areas that we face in our life, the things that we can't see breakthrough in, it saps our strength, it saps our, our, our heart, our mind, and we find ourselves in a place where all we're focused, in, focused on is the sickness of our disappointed heart. And Jesus came to earth to take that season that you're in and bring hope. Well, notice here in the scripture that Jesus very clearly says, I'm gonna give you just quickly very quickly, five things in this scripture. Look what it says. The first thing is this. The hope of Jesus changes your focus. This man just said, listen, I, I've been here for 38 years. Every time I try, I'm disappointed, I'm discouraged. And Jesus didn't even acknowledge what he said. He just spoke to him. He says, look at me. Stop looking at the pool. Stop looking to that counselor. Stop looking to that marriage. Stop looking to that person. Stop looking to that addictive behavior. Stop looking at the pool and look at me. Jesus says, get your eyes off of your hopeless situation. Get your eyes off of your physically sick body. Get your eyes off of the situation that you have no control over and put your eyes on Jesus. It changes your focus in a moment. Jesus says, look at me. Don't look at at the pool any longer. Don't look at those people any longer. Don't look to this help any longer. Don't look to that thing any longer. You've tried there. You've tried your own strength. You've tried your own power. You need to look at me. You need to focus on me. The first step towards, uh, uh, towards a healthy heart is a healthy hope. What he does is he changes our focus off of our, ourselves and off of our situation and he puts our attention back on him, the author and the finisher of our faith, to fix our attention on Christ knowing that no matter what I'm going through, despite whatever I am facing from big to small, it feels like it's a lot, but when I fix my eyes on Christ. I am reminded that with him, my hope can be restored, that I can do this again. The second thing that Jesus does, his hope in our life is the hope of Jesus helps you try again. Jesus says to this man, get up. Now it doesn't say Jesus reached out his hand and helped him up. It doesn't say grabbed him and picked him up. He just says you need to choose to get up. 38 years I've been trying to get into that pool, Jesus. 38 years I've been trying to get my life figured out. And Jesus in one moment says, okay, listen, get up. It's time to get up. That word get up actually in the Greek means wake up to shake out of your slumber, to shake out of your doldrum. He says, come on, wake up, try again, do it again, get up, try the marriage again, try the relationship again, try to your dad again. Try to engage your mom again. Try again. Try going to church again. Try engaging Christ again. Try again. Try again. Try again. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Come on. Try again. And that's what the hope of Jesus Christ does in our lives. He gives us the ability to say, I have screwed up and I have fallen short and I have sinned and I have made mistakes for the last 38 years of my life. But today, because of the hope of Jesus Christ in my life, I'm going to get up. I'm gonna try again. I'm gonna take a step forward. I'm gonna do this again. I'm gonna try again. I can do it. Come on, Jesus. I can do it. I'm gonna try 
Again, that's the word of the Lord for you today. Get up, wake up, wake up, wake up out of your hopelessness. Wake up out of your helplessness. Come on, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Try again. Third thing Jesus does in the scripture. Oh, there's that proverb scripture. The hope of Jesus helps you leave your disappointment behind. He says to this man, get up, pick up your bed. Why did Jesus tell him to pick up his bed? That word pick up means to elevate. Why did he tell him to pick up his bed? Because if this man would have left his bed there, it would have been like he was like, oh, I'm okay, get up. Okay, I'm gonna get up, but you need to leave your, you need to pick up your bed. Well, why? Because if he leaves his bed there, it's like he's saving his spot and his old way of thinking in life. Jesus, I'm gonna totally trust in you, but I'm just gonna save my spot because I've worked eight years to get this close just in case this fails. And when we have disappointment in our life, we often have plan A, B, C, D, E, F in our back pocket. In case this Jesus thing doesn't quite pan out, I have a plan B to go to. And Jesus says, no, leave that disappointment behind. Leave the past of your failures behind. You've got to leave it behind. In fact, that same word pick up is the same word used in Mark chapter 8, 34. And then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me that is the greek word used take up pick up he's saying listen if you want to be a follower of me if you want to have a fresh hope for your life you got to get your focus on jesus you got to try again and you've got to leave your disappointment behind you you cannot bring that into your new marriage and your new relationship you cannot bring that into your job you cannot bring that into your new life you've got to leave it behind where it is that word pick up actually means destroy it Take it and leave it. If you don't leave your disappointment behind, you will not be able to move forward in your life. Don't allow the enemy to get your thinking on the pool any longer, but understand that Jesus is with you right now and says, come on, get up and leave that hurt behind you. Leave that disappointment behind you. Leave that pain behind you. Leave that unmet expectation behind you. The fourth one this morning says this. Pick up your bed and walk, and then he says this. The hope of Jesus helps you move forward again. He says to walk. Now, this man hasn't walked by himself in 38 years. He says, it's your day to go forward. Many of you have been stuck I want you to really listen to me now. We're coming to the end. James is going to come and he's going to lead worship as he's walking out. I'm just going to let you know that, buddy. You got to listen to me. This is a, a prophetic thought for you today. Many of you have not been able to move forward in your life, in your walk with God, in your marriage, in your finances, in your mental areas of anxiety or depression. Many of you cannot walk forward because you have not left behind because you won't try anymore because your attention's not on Jesus. And you need to know something. You will not move forward in life. You will be stagnant, stuck by that pool, wondering, well, when is somebody going to help me? When's this handout? When am I going to get there? When are you going to help me? Man, this isn't fun. I don't like this life. I have this idea of what life was going to look like. You will not move forward in life until you can leave that stuff behind, until you try again and try again and try again and keep your attention fixed on Jesus. 
The hope of Jesus gives us the capacity to move forward in life. And lastly here today, the hope of Jesus helps restore your faith. John 5, 9 says this, and at once, come on, say that with me, at once. How quick was it? At once. In the moment with Jesus, at once, he restores your faith to believe that you can walk forward And guess what that does? That restores a fresh hope for life. Let's end on this scripture here and the team's gonna come. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The the message says, so that that will shoot adrenaline into your bones. The hope of Jesus Christ comes and he helps us focus on him. He helps us try again. He helps us leave our disappointment behind. He helps us move forward and he restores a fresh faith to serve the Lord. Amen? Why don't you stand with me this morning? We're gonna pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence today. Lord, what a great word from Peter. Lord, what, a, what an encouraging thought today from your word. And as we honor your name through the last few moments of our worship time, God, we pray that your spirit would be here. Lord, if anyone is here today and they're in a hopeless situation, they're feeling hopeless, they're feeling distant, they're feeling disconnected, we pray that you would restore their hope today, oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Come on, let's worship today. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.